All right. Morning, everybody. Good to see all of you this morning. Band did an awesome job in Tom's absence. Give him a round of applause. All right. Well, hey, it's, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Hey, what an awesome time last week celebrating Easter, celebrating the uh, resurrection of Jesus, huh? One of my favorite parts about that is going out in between the two services and checking out the, I, I think they had like 500 Easter eggs. That morning, I saw Camille and Tori come back barefoot, wet grass up to their ankles up here because they were out shaking eggs out everywhere on the lawn out there. And I love watching the kids. They're just, they're ready, man. They're ready to go get those eggs. Oh, so much fun. Uh, Pastor Andy, these were his words. He said, Bobby, I'm going to be goofing off all week after Easter. Would you mind filling in for me? And so uh, I was happy to, to do so and excited to share with all of you this morning. Something that I was thinking about, something that's kind of crazy, is that a lot of you sitting out there, probably a, a decent number of you, remember me when I was about this high off the ground, right? So that's probably weird for some of you to see me, you know, now up here and, and all that. And I think that's probably strange for a lot of you. And a lot of you will hate to hear me say this, and I'm sorry, I apologize in advance, but man, I feel like I'm getting old, right? <laughs> and hey, if, if I feel like I'm getting old and some of you remember me when I was this tall, no, I'm just kidding. But I do. Sometimes I do feel like I'm getting old. Granted, I'm only 24. I know that's young. I know, I know. But man, it's true. It's true what they say. Time really does fly. And it's, it's hard for me to believe that my wife Madeline and I will have been married for three years come July, this July. It's crazy, you know? And I was thinking about it. I was thinking about how long I've been married now and how much fun it's been. And I was thinking one of the interesting parts about marriage and some of you might find this funny, is the fact that you basically inherit a whole other family when you get married. It's, it's sort of interesting, right? And I know that for some people that can be, you know, not always the rosiest thing. It can be a little bit rocky to navigate um, that. But, you know, I've been blessed because Maddie comes from an awesome family. I've been blessed to, uh, to gain that other family so to speak. And one of the cool parts about her family is they're an ag family, an agricultural family. So now it's like, I feel like I'm a true woodlander because I got some ag people in my family. You know, it's like, that's a prerequisite for being a woodlander, right? I bet that if, if we did show of hands, it's like probably all of us in here would know someone in the ag business, right? Or, or have some family. Now I have some family in the ag business. Maddie's dad and Maddie's brother, who's here this morning, are rice and tomato farmers. So it's really, really neat. They're fourth and fifth generation farmers here in, in the uh, Yolo County. And so I love getting together with those two guys and talking shop with them, you know, asking them about their farm, asking them about, you know, the things that they're currently doing, asking them about their equipment, asking them about, you know, maybe what problems they're currently facing, whether it's weather or, or whatever the case is, right? Uh, I love getting together with them, asking them, you know, what's going on out there. I've even gone out there a couple times and worked with, with Stephen. We do, they call it uh, pulling up rice boxes out of the fields, and that's hard work, let me tell you. I, I got a lot of respect for them after being out there for a few days, right? There's no doubt that living in Woodland, we live in an agricultural community, don't we? Absolutely. I mean, there is, you think about it, there's planting, 
watering, fertilizing, growing, harvesting going on all around us all the time, isn't there? I mean, you don't have to drive very far in Woodland to find a field, right? You can go out Lincoln here, you drive three blocks down to 98, and you're going to be looking at some fields already, right? A couple fields they're preparing for, for tomatoes and things like that, right? You can hit 98, you can drive either way. You can drive north or south, and you'll be passing fields and orchards, almond orchards, uh, walnut orchards for miles and miles and miles, right? I mean, it's all all around us. You could even go out 98 to, to Highway 16, head out that way, maybe cut over to, to Road 19 out there. You'll pass a couple vineyards out that way. You'd even pass a vineyard where, where Maddie and I got married that, that long three years ago. Wow, can't believe no. <laughs> but it's funny. I mean, it's all around us, right? Speaking of, of vineyards, do you guys all know what, what the word viticulture means? Have you heard that before, viticulture? If you don't know, viticulture is grape growing, all right? It's the, the art of grape growing. And of course, like I, like I mentioned, we got, we got definitely some vineyards around here, but not too far away from us, we got, you know, Napa Valley, Sonoma. I mean, these places are, are world-renowned for their viticulture, right? For their, for their uh, vineyards, their grapes, and their wines. I mean, known worldwide, right? And one of the most... One of the most important aspects of, of viticulture, of grape growing, is pruning, right? Pruning. And the first pruning occurs in springtime when the flowers are first blooming. So, so right about now, all right? And this important practice of, of pruning, it involves four operations. I'm going to give you guys a little ag lesson this morning, all right? Are you ready for this? Number one, first operation of pruning, the removal of growing tips of, of vigorous shoots because they don't want them to grow too fast, right? Too rapidly. They want to, hey, pace yourself, right? Number two, they cut off one or two feet from the end of these growing shoots to prevent them from being uh, snapped off by the wind, okay? Number three, they remove some of the uh, flower or grape clusters so there's not too much on the vine so that they can, the ones that are left can produce more and better quality fruit. And then uh, finally, the last, the last sort of operation of pruning, they remove the, uh, they call them the suckers that arise from, you know, underground or maybe at the base of the trunk. Um, they remove those so that the strength of the vine and the branches aren't tapped by these suckers that don't produce fruit anyways. They just take the nutrients, right? So there's your little, little ag lesson for this morning. I think uh, Jerry Del Sol would be proud of me if he knew I, if I, he knew I shared that info with you guys. So uh, with that in mind, with that little ag lesson in mind, would you guys open your Bibles with me this morning? This is probably the most millennial thing I'll do this morning. I I'm, I'm, have my Bible on my phone, and I know that's kind of, you know, one of those things. But um, we're going to be in John 15 this morning, if you guys want to open up. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8. And so I'll read that for you guys. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And it starts out by saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. See what I did there? He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And then verse 8, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I really love this scripture. Through this metaphor of, of viticulture, the vine and the branches, Jesus sets the basis for living a life as God's disciple, right? And that basis is what? Staying connected to him, right? Or abiding in him, which is the foundation for living the life of a disciple. Let's work our way through this a little bit. In verse 1, Jesus starts out by saying that he is the vine, right? So I want you guys to do this with me. Kind of visualize this in your head. Get a picture of this. It actually helps when you do that. Jesus is the vine, right? He's the main trunk of this grapevine. He's the one through whom all of the energy, all the water, all the nutrients, all of the life flow, right? And it takes all of that for the branches to grow off of it, to be healthy and to produce fruit. Jesus also says in verse 1 that his father, God the Father, is the vine dresser or the gardener. Right? So if you continue thinking about this metaphor, you know, God's the one that, so to speak, maybe tills the soil that waters and fertilizes the, the, the plant, right? In other words, he's the one that cares for the vine that produces the fruit. I think it's really a, a, a cool visual and a cool way to think about it, right? Verse 2 says that God the Father is also, as the gardener, he's the one that, that cuts off branches and prunes branches, right? He cuts off the branches that that don't produce fruit and are taking energy away from fruit-producing ones, and he prunes the branches that do produce fruit so that they'll produce even more, right? And as Jesus is, is talking to his disciples here, he says, hey, listen, guys, you, you're already clean, right? You're already being pruned by, by the things that I'm teaching you and what you've learned from me so that you'll produce more than you already have. And he says, as he's, you know, this is a farewell letter in John, the last 13 through 7 here, farewell letters. He's saying, stay connected to me and I'll stay connected to you, right? And I love this. He says, because a branch cannot produce fruit if it's cut off from the vine in the same way, neither can you, you can't produce fruit apart from me, right? I love that. I think that's such a simple and easy illustration to understand, isn't it? Jesus really is a, an awesome teacher. And Jesus says here in these verses, talking to his disciples, I am the vine and you are the branches, right? And even though, you know, he's not immediate, we're not in this immediate context, he's talking directly to his disciples. We know that Jesus is talking to all believers, right? Jesus is talking to us here as well. We are branches. And he goes on to say, those who abide in me and I in them will produce much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. So it's clear that there are two different types of branches that are being talked about here in this passage in John 15. One, branches that don't produce fruit and are cut off, right? And then two, those branches that do produce fruit and are pruned to produce more, right? So the questions beg to be asked, who or what do these branches represent and what does this have to do with me? Well, it's, you know, it's not rocket science. It's pretty straightforward. The branches that bear fruit are genuine believers, 
right? They are Christ followers. Those who have believed are saved, and this is a big thing, are connected to the vine, right? Are connected to Christ or abiding in him. The branches that don't bear fruit are the ones who maybe profess to believe, but their lack of fruit or maybe lack of genuine fruit indicates that that true salvation, a genuine commitment to Christ has never taken place and they have no life from the vine. They're not connected to the vine abiding in Jesus, right? Unbelievers. In the book, The Daniel Plan, I don't know how many of you have heard of this book or read it. Um, this book kind of marries the idea of a healthy you know, eating lifestyle and healthy lifestyle in general and then a, a healthy spiritual lifestyle and how those things can couple each other and uh, Pastor Rick Warren, who wrote Purpose Driven Life, is one of the authors. He wrote it with a few Christian doctors. Uh, they write in that book, no great branch can produce fruit without staying connected to the main vine. So this, this idea that we're talking about, right? And you cannot produce spiritual fruit while disconnected from God's Spirit. I like this next line here. The fruitfulness of your life will depend on how dependent you are on the Holy Spirit. Attempting to bear fruit on your own power is as foolish as tying apples on the branches of a dead apple tree. From a distance, it might look as if the tree is alive and fruitful, but on closer inspection, people would realize the fruitfulness is fake. I like that metaphor a lot, right? We know that there are quote-unquote you know, religious people that try to do this, that try to fake fruitfulness, right? They, hey, what kind of apples can I tie on even though this tree's dead, right? I can maybe attend church. I can be seen given to some organizations. I can even show up at some events, right? But they aren't really alive inside on a spiritual level because they're not connected to Christ, right? And sometimes all of those, those spiritual activities can just be for show. And if you could really see their hearts, you wouldn't see that connection to Christ. And that's a really sad thing, but let's not be ignorant. That happens a lot, right? We know that it happens. So all this tells me that maybe we, maybe we need to talk about the fruit on the branches, right? There's a, I think that there's a dangerous and, and somewhat popular misconception that equates fruit with outward things, with outward success, right? By that common standard, you know, external religion, superficial righteousness, you know, having a large church or a popular ministry or a successful ministry, you know, or a successful program are considered fruitful. And although those things can be fruitful, right? Big churches and popular ministries can be fruitful genuinely. The Bible nowhere equates fruit with superficial external behavior or results that anybody can copy, right? Instead, the Bible defines fruit in terms of spiritual qualities. The fruit that, that Paul talks about in Ephesians 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit, which is produced when you are connected to Jesus Christ, right? And that fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Those are qualities that a disciple of Jesus should possess and should be evident in our actions and only possible if we're connected to Christ, right? Praise offered to God from our lips, is fruit. And that includes more than just singing, right? Although that's one way. Hebrews 13 says, with Jesus' help, let us continually offer our sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to Him. 
right? Showing genuine sacrificial love in, in meeting the needs of others is considered fruit and action of a disciple, right? Financial support of a ministry with the right heart and the right intentions is fruit and action of a disciple. Fruit may also be defined as holy or righteous or God-honoring behavior in general, right? An action of a disciple and only possible by staying connected to or abiding in Jesus, right? These are the actions of a disciple. There's not some, you know, amount of money you have to give or a certain number of Bible studies you have to join or you don't get a punch card and you go to this many services and now you're connected to Christ, right? I think that sometimes uh, as a society, we have it a little bit backwards, right? The fruit doesn't come first, and that's what connects us to Jesus. We have to be connected to Jesus and abiding in Him in order to produce genuine fruit in our lives. Our relationship with Jesus comes first, and then the fruit because of that. Not the other way around, right? Speaking of the uh, actions of a disciple, I came across uh, an article entitled, A Disciple Abides in Christ. And the first point of that article was that a disciple stays close to the master. Right? That means that you sink deep roots in your relationship with Christ. Right? Allowing Him to be a part of every aspect of your life, not just maybe a couple that you have set aside for Him. Right? Staying close to Him, connected to Him, abiding in Him, involves a very consistent time in His Word to us, right? The Bible. Engaging Him in conversation, prayer. These are actions of a disciple, someone who is connected to or abides in Christ. Another article I read said that a a disciple will long for personal communion with the Lord. He'll love the things that the Lord loves and hate the things that the Lord hates, and he'll keep his commands. And all this is, is learned and attained through his communication to us, through, through the Bible, right? Through his word, we know that he hates sin, so we should also hate sin. If we, if we look at Proverbs starting in 6.16, there's a list of seven things that God hates. So we should hate and avoid them in our lives as well, right? We already talked about Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. We know that he loves those things. And if we're connected to him, we're going to live those things out, right? As his disciples, we should love them and strive to incorporate them into our lives and and the way we live, right? We should love people. We should be joyous in our circumstances, be at peace, be patient with people that we come into contact with and events that we face and so on and so forth, right? A little bit earlier in John, uh, Jesus told those who profess faith in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Obedience proves that a person's love for and dedication to Christ is genuine, right? Believers confess their sin, a fruit and action of a disciple. Believers obey God's commands, fruit and action of a disciple. Believers demonstrate love for others. An action of a disciple, right? Believers live in patterns that please God. An action of a disciple. Producing fruit comes from true disciples of Christ. And true disciples of Christ, the basis of that is remaining connected to Him or abiding in Him.
That's where it starts, right? And we could continue on with this big long list of, of actions of the disciple of Christ, right? But I think the, the point is, is that it boils down to one main point, right? And that's remaining in him or abiding in him, right? Continuing on through the thick and thin, through the easy and the hard, right? The harvest and the drought, a lifetime of commitment to Christ and producing fruit as a result of that commitment. I'd love to end our time this morning by taking a, a, a little bit of time to reread and focus on verse 8, if you guys would check that out again, because I think it really is a special verse and one that we should think about often and dwell on. It says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. God the Father is glorified when we bear fruit. It confirms our transformed heart, and we can only bear genuine fruit when we're connected to Jesus Christ, when we abide in Jesus Christ, because apart from Him, we can do nothing, right? Abide in me, and I will abide in you. He who began a good work in you will complete it. He who called you is faithful, he will surely do it. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for this time to gather this morning in your name and and talk about your word to us. God, I pray that we'd be dwelling on what verse 8 says as we leave this morning. God, it brings you glory when we bear fruit and it proves that we are disciples of you. Father, I pray that we would desire to bring you glory with our lives. And that means bearing genuine fruit. And how do we do that? By remaining connected to Christ and abiding in Him. We're talking about some of the different actions of a disciple and and what genuine spiritual fruit looks like. And we could make a huge long list, but Father, unless we're connected to You, those things, it's like tying apples onto a dead tree. They're only genuine and possible when we remain in you. Father, I, I pray for any of us that, that this is a, a struggle in our lives. God, I pray that we'd realize that nothing is hidden from you. There's no shortcuts or benchmarks that we can get to and then we're connected to you. Everything starts with a genuine relationship with you. That's the basis for living the life of a disciple. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Father, we thank you for your love to us, and I pray that we'd go out bring, and bring you glory by bearing fruit and proving to be your disciples. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.